Welcome to Calling All Lovers, a podcast that delves into the intricacies of love and relationships and shows that love is love no matter how you identify. I'm your host, Katie Hennessy, and on today's episode, we're exploring the topic of supporting a loved one with endometriosis. I chat to one of my best friends, Georgia, who is an advocate for awareness of endometriosis. Not only does Georgia have endo, but she runs the Endo Journal, an Instagram with over 10,000 followers that shows an insight into her daily life with a chronic illness. It also aims to educate and spread awareness for a disease that affects an astounding amount of one in nine women. I have witnessed a small insight into the complete lack of knowledge and awareness most doctors have around medical issues surrounding women's health. I've been through moments of blinding pain with my period, which many doctors are still at a loss to diagnose, apart from offering me the one solution of birth control. We talk about this and why we as a society still have so much shame around periods, as well as answer two listener questions about how to date with endo and how your loved ones can support you. Before we jump into it, I wanted to ask you to like, subscribe, rate, and review as it pushes the podcast out to more people. Thank you for coming on. I know it's a little bit late in Australia. That's okay. I'm a night person, so I don't really mind. Okay, cool. Um, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast. I wanted to get you on to talk about your journey with endometriosis and what it is and just to spread a bit more awareness and um, acknowledge how big of a illness this is and I don't think it gets enough attention I guess yes cool I'm really really happy that you've invited me on here too because it definitely needs more awareness and more attention um so I wanted to start with your pronouns um so my pronouns are she her cool and So I'm just going to give the listeners like a little bit of a background on you. So Georgia and I have been best friends for, I don't even know how long, maybe like five years probably. Um, Yeah. Because it was when I came back from Berlin and in between Berlin and Paris. Um, Yeah. And at that stage, you had endo and I remember... That's the first time that I actually heard about it, which is kind of insane because it's something that it's like one in 10 women experience it. So I would have known someone in my group before I met you, but no one ever talked about it. Mm, Yeah. 
no, it's it's like it's wild how so many people have no idea what it is and yeah. how common it is. You know, like it's just as common as asthma and diabetes, and everyone knows what they are. Yeah, um, if not more common. So, when did you first hear about or hear the word endometriosis? Was it when you got diagnosed? What was your diagnosis journey? I guess. Yeah. So, um, I first heard about endo when I was first diagnosed in two thousand eleven. Um, I was sixteen, so I didn't really, I guess, look into it. I just got told oh it's bad periods and that was really it. Um so I was like, okay, that's that's what it is. Didn't really think too much of it. Um but as the years gone on and I've had more surgeries now, um and now more issues going on, I've got a nice thorough understanding and actually how much um it's just so much more than period pain. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So much more. Like, so much of my life makes sense now that I have a thorough understanding of this disease. Mm-hmm. For sure. And how how do you define endometriosis? I always struggle, like, telling someone. When I talk about it, it was like, oh, my friends have endo. They're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, ugh, how do I explain yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I completely understand that. And a lot of places still do get the definition wrong. Yeah. Um, which is frustrating, but endo is a disease in which tissue similar to the lining of the uterus um, grows outside the uterus and beyond the pelvic region. It doesn't always grow beyond the pelvic region, but it definitely can. So it's, yeah, it's similar. It's not the endometrium, which is what um, the lining of the uterus is. And how did you come to get diagnosed? So... I had, well, I had heaps of pain um, early on, like period pain. I got my period at what age? Twelve, yeah, so twelve. Um, it was quite heavy and painful, um, mm-hmm. but super normalized. You know, our oh, periods are not painful. That's that's the way it is. You know, coming from close family members, so I never really thought too much of it. Um, and obviously at that age we didn't really speak to friends um, about it, I guess. Like we did, but not really, if you know yeah. what I mean. So, so um, yeah, so I always had back pain, period pain, um, bloating, headaches, low immune system, uh, fatigue. And then when I was around 16 it became imbe- like I couldn't exercise without severe pain. Um, wow. I was having intense like flank pain. Um, What's that? Like near, like near the kidney mm-hmm. kind of pain and that leg pain as well. Um, and I was at boarding school at the time and um, I kept getting misdiagnosed for, for like for a kidney infection and they were like antibiotics, antibiotics, antibiotics. And I was like, oh, yep. like I had three rounds of antibiotics. I'm like, look, this is not working. Classic. Like, and especially I was going to the doctors on my own at 16, like, I mean, 16 is quite old, but also not when you've been, you know, experiencing being, yeah. like, not believed and whatnot. So, um, 
yeah, anyway, so then my mum came up because I was missing out on all these weeks of school and um, she took me to the doctors and was like, we want an ultrasound, like something's not right. She's had all this um, antibiotics, nothing's, you know, she's not okay. And then I got an ultrasound and I had a massive, like, ovarian cyst, mm-hmm. which in a way was good because that pushed for surgery, like, straight away. So after you had the surgery for the cyst, what happened? Like, did they give you a diagnosis or...? They just said, like, you have an ovarian cyst and you've also got endo. Um, and that was it, really. Nothing else. <laughs> and I, I assumed, like, I was fixed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then 10 months later I had all the same pain come back. Oh. And then I went and had another ultrasound and the cyst was back. The oh same cyst. So I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, like... I thought my life was going to be surgeries every year, which yeah, um, it isn't. But, yeah, so then I went and had um, another surgery done in Sydney this time with mm. an um, excision specialist. Um, that was in 2012. So at that time I didn't know what I know today um, about excision surgery. I can touch on that in a minute. But, yeah, so my second surgery I had endo excised, the cyst removed and my appendix removed because um, endo had gone all over my appendix. So it was quite a big surgery. I was really, really sick after that surgery. The recovery was horrendous. Um, And then at that time he was like, oh, like even though he was, you know, an excision specialist, his advice was, oh, go on birth control or have a baby. <laughs> and I was, eight, like, this was after my surgery, 18 and, like, no partner. I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> how can I just have a baby? Like, And how is that saying, even going to help? I know, just, like, old, old, I don't even know where it comes from, yeah. to be fair. So, I mean, they, they thought that from not having your period... Um, what for nine know, months <laughs> for nine months for some reason stops it I have no idea yeah but anyway I mean yeah so yeah but then for like five years I was not like completely pain-free but I lived like pretty much a normal life and I didn't really speak about that's it. still a lot yeah for sure like probably four years the last year was bad so yeah. Four years, like, I still had obviously some symptoms, but, again, at this at this point I didn't know um, the in-depth, you know, the things that endo can do to you. So, like, yeah. a lot of symptoms I was getting, I didn't understand that that was actually my um, endo coming through kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and then, like, um, after... So, in 2019 I had my most recent surgery mm-hmm. uh, when... I was also diagnosed with adenomyosis. Um, and what's that? So adenomyosis is a condition in which the like the inner lining, so the actual endometrium this time, it go, grows like through into the muscle wall. So it makes the uterus like way bigger than it should be. Oh, so my God. So yeah, they kind of see it as like endos, um, like sister. And do people normally have the two? Like they come together? Yeah. Or? So it, yeah. So they are together. Like I think it's 
um, this isn't 100% accurate, but, like, something like 70% of people with endo some also have adeno. Mm-hmm. Something around that. It's not, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, but there's still, like, so, no one even knows what, like, so many people don't even know what adenomyosis is. Like, I've been to the ER a few times and I've stayed and they, they're like, you mean endo or, like, just have no idea. But yeah. The thing is, though, that they also think that that only affects older women, which it doesn't. Okay. Like, it's also in teenagers. But, yeah, that's that's a whole other story. And so after that surgery, um, what happened? So after that surgery, um, my gynecologist wanted me to get the marina and I was terrified of birth control for, like, eight months, but... Then I finally got the marina and now I'm on the pill as well because I was getting ovarian cysts coming back again. And now I've got my management pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my specialist is actually quite surprised with how little pain I have. Not that I don't have pain, but because my disease was quite extent, he's um, pretty happy with how I'm going at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And just to let everyone know, because I know that the financial aspect is overwhelming for someone that is still at university and young, What? Mm-hmm. how much do you think you've spent on this illness? <laughs> well, probably over 50 grand. Oh, my God. Yeah, like I have no savings because like to manage my illnesses so I can go to work, so I can function costs me money. Like yeah. I need to go to um, physio, I need to do like Pilates, um, massage therapy, like go to my um, gynecologist, cannabis doctor, psychologist, uh, acupuncturist, like the mm-hmm. list just goes on. So if I stop doing that, then I can't work. And I can't do what I need to do. Like, I can't live a normal life. But it's horrible because what I earn goes on going back to work. <laughs> you know, like it's... Yeah, it's a cycle. It's like I, I feel like, yeah, I can never get ahead because, well, especially at the moment, obviously, because I'm at uni, so I only work part-time. Um, yeah. But And is there any uh, government help? Um, For, like... I know a lot of people that have applied for disability support um, yeah. for endo, but it's not seen. I'm pretty sure it's really hard to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's not classified as a disability in Australia. Wow. Um, I'm not obviously, don't like quote me to that, but I'm pretty sure that yeah. it's super challenging to get um, to get disability payments because of endo. So, And I, there would be so many people. That's the thing. I'm in a privileged position obviously to be able to access um, these treatments and and to have my um, multidisciplinary team looking after me. You know, a lot of people don't have that and, you know, can't access it. So, yeah, it's shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to deal with at such a young age and that is when most people start experiencing it. Like if you were experiencing it at 12, that's just so overwhelming to know that you're going to have this for the rest of your life. 
I know, and I think that's why, like, I suppressed that I had it for, like, up until my most recent surgery. Like, I didn't really acknowledge it. Yeah. I didn't really accept it. Um, whereas I think the last two years I've been kind of, like, grieving, I guess, in a way, mm-hmm. and coming to an acceptance of having endo and adeno and accepting that it, you know, at this yeah. stage. Fortunately, we don't have a cure for endo, and it's about managing <laughs> And getting by. Yeah, definitely. How did you maintain, like, your lifestyle as a teenager? You know, like, you're going to parties, you're dating. Like, how did you keep up with those things, with all those symptoms? I just took so much paracetamol. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like. My stomach's hurting. I, (laughs) I swear that I, you know, I've done damage from not actually, you know, not knowing these things. I remember having, oh, headaches was another thing. I used to always get headaches. Mm -hmm. I remember taking, like, two paracetamol, two ibuprofen before, like, going on a massive night out. And I just think about my stomach now and, ah, like, if what I knew now, I knew then, like, I don't even know where I'd be right now. Like, I did so many things that I, I guess I just suppressed it. Like, and in a way I was always told, like, oh, everyone gets aches and pains. Everyone has back aches, like. And I was always, you know, labelled as, like, a hypochondriac. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's as well why, like, my anxiety just kept growing and growing, especially around health issues. Yeah, because, because you were being gaslit. Really, yeah, I was never really believed. And I was always, you know, oh, you're a hypochondriac or, you know, this. Like, yeah, so I think it was just, you know, I suppressed it. And I yeah. started, like, I went through, you know, an alcoholic phase of teenage years of been drinking and you know exploring other stuff and I think in a way that was probably a way to suppress it I don't know yeah I don't know but yeah I I don't I just this is why I started the endo journal like you know I'm hoping to reach younger people as well because if I knew what I knew now Mm -hmm. when I was younger uh my life would have been so much easier. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So much easier. And when you were dating, was it something that you ever brought up with the people that you were seeing? Like, oh, I'm really sick because of this. Or you would just, like, keep it to yourself? Um, I kept it to myself. And, like, especially, um, like, when having sex, I would just push through <laughs> sounds mm. horrible right now yeah. but like I just I, I guess in a way as well like it was so normalized that sex was painful or like it was okay like especially for women like so you didn't you didn't know that painful sex was not normal not really normal no yeah and like I as well like I don't know my whole sex education was fucked like I didn't even know that women could orgasm until like you know, I was until I experienced that at fifteen, yeah. which I know that's quite early. The first six, you know, some people don't experience orgasms till later on. So yeah, but you know, it it happened in the moment. I was like, what was that amazing <laughs> ten seconds? Like, so you know, so I didn't. I thought everything I was going through was normal, including the painful sex and the yeah. stabs in the ovaries and the fucking knife butts, like literally feeling like. A knife is up my ass. I was like, okay, this is fine. And yeah. I just, I remember like afterwards just 
being, yeah, in a lot of pain but not really acknowledging it, I guess. And that's, like, like your partners at the time, they never were like, are you okay? Like, I don't think they knew because mm-hmm. I, I just kind of pushed through and I, I covered it up probably. Yeah. I didn't, and I guess I felt maybe a sense of shame around it. You know, I wanted to be that hot, poor, no fuck <laughs> or whatever. You know? I yeah, mean, you don't like, see them in you know, porn being a like, teenager, oh. <laughs> Yeah, you don't see them being like, fuck, my back hurts. Like, yeah. or, you know. <laughs> oh, stop, I have endo. <laughs> yeah, like the teenage years, you, you know, you access these unhealthy porn clips and you, you think that's what it's got to be like. So, yeah. yeah, there was no way I was being like, I'm not okay. But, yeah. Mm. Um, when did you... Like, I know now that you have a really beautiful and supportive partner, when did you bring that up with him and how did you go about, like, educating him, I guess? I don't know if he did his own education or... Um, so I think I spoke about it to him. Yeah, I think it was before... It was probably in 2018. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I slowly started to talk to him about it I guess didn't want to really overwhelm him and then as my symptoms got worse I had to obviously be like oh like yeah. I've got this illness <laughs> it's shit I don't really know much about it myself because I didn't I know I need to get another surgery I'm going to join this Facebook group and I'm going to find a good surgeon and that's what I'm doing and yeah and then I think after my surgery when he witnessed everything um, he got a better understanding and he, yeah. you know, coming to my appointments and listening to my gynecologist speak. Um, wow, that's, that's really supportive. Yeah. He doesn't come to all of them. Just yeah. he came to, cause I, I don't know, I'm super, like I've been dealing with this for so long. Like I remember getting my first internal ultrasound by myself at 16 with a male sonographer. So yeah. like, I feel like I've been doing this on my own for so long. So sometimes I actually prefer to go on my own. But he wanted to come after like my surgery to get an understanding of what was going on, which I am obviously grateful for. Yeah. So, but yeah, now he knows everything because you know he follows the page and he reads things and um, he listens to me go on about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, obviously he's witnesses me in pain or he's dropping me off at the emergency room or not anymore but used to so Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's really hard though like I understand it's really I'm I'm super grateful that I've got someone that is understanding and um super caring and is willing to learn about what's going on um because I know obviously there's not everyone out there is like that. And, yeah, it can be a bit embarrassing, I guess, if you're not confident, like if you haven't accepted it yourself. Yeah, you know, Not Definitely. embarrassing, but I guess like you just, you don't want to accept it, so trying to tell someone else about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like the stigma around periods in general is not something that you talk to well I do now obviously I'm like the most 
open person ever. But, but you don't, when you're like, 15, uh, you're not going to no talk about how heavy your period no is with your boyfriend. <laughs> I still remember, like, oh, fuck, if someone saw my pad, <laughs> I would crumble. Yeah. Like, I remember forcing myself to use tampons throughout the night, which I could hate doing because it mm-hmm. would cause, like, the worst cramps and I just feel like absolute shit. My vagina would just throb. Yeah. And I just push through it because I'm like, I can't be in a pad around these dudes. Like, no mm-hmm. way. You know, but where like, does that come from? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Why is pads, like, it's still got shit, like, stigma around it. Definitely. I saw, so Georgia posted a photo of, it was just, like, a woman's butt in some, like, kind of see-through mesh underwear and the pad showing. It wasn't even graphic or anything like that. And the comments were absolutely wild. Like, I spent, like, a good hour in your comment section just, like, liking the women that were going back at the men. (laughs) It's just, it's, like, it's so wild as well because I think I'm in a bit of a bubble where I'm, like, no, pad shame, like, doesn't really happen anymore. Like, you Mm -hmm. know... And then I, like, see photos like that and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to post this. And then I never expected, like, people to actually be like, ew. Like, I thought we were well and truly past it. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess I was posting it more as well for young, like, younger people. Yeah. But, man, after that post I was like, fuck's sake. This is crazy. It was absolutely insane. Like, a guy saying that his mum never wore that. And... Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, I was just like, what the fuck are these people saying? Like, I just, I couldn't even handle it. I just don't, I think I turned the comments off because I was like, I can't fucking deal yeah. with this. And even, like, going to the supermarket, like, I used to feel shame in buying Yes. Like sanitary products. If there was like yes. a ma- a guy at the cash register, I know you'd be like self serve, self serve, self serve. <laughs> like, well, that I was, was before <laughs> self serve. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, and yeah, it's weird, and that's exactly right. You know, you that makes it hard to speak to your partner. You know, yeah, when that comes up. Yeah, definitely. I think, like in my last podcast we talked about the education needed in schools for sex ed and that's something that goes along with that it's like women's bodies in general need to be spoken about more and normalized because none of us would be here if our moms didn't have a period (laughs) so why isn't it something that's like accepted I know have you seen that I don't know I can't remember the artist but it's like a guy sitting on a couch yeah. and he sees, like, people being shot and there's blood on the TV. It's like a no. cartoon. And he's, like, not phased by it. He's eating popcorn. And then, like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a TV below it and it's, like, a pad with some blood on it. And he's, like, shocked and, like, disgusted. And it's like, dude. Yeah. It's just, mm. Yeah, no, it's I like, know. This is a normal function. Mm-hmm. Like, vi- like you're not phased by like blood from violence, but you're phased from blood that it, you know is a life out. form. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, we've got so a lot that, to do. <laughs> yeah, that obviously impacts, um, you know, people speaking out, not just even in regards to painful sex, but like in regards to anything. You know, even with doctors. Yeah, definitely. Can be daunting. 
to get a diagnosis. The fact that you have had to advocate for yourself since you were 16 just, like, breaks my heart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think it's just made me, like, I don't know, in a way, stronger Definitely. I just roll into an ultrasound these days. It's the usual, like... (laughs) They're like, oh, like, you know, do you want anyone to come in with you? Or, like, is it okay if we do an um, internal ultrasound? Like, this is what happens. I'm like, please, like, I know. <laughs> I know what happens. Or, like, on the phone when they're like, you need to drink this much. I'm like, I know. Yeah, you're like, actually, like, you it's two liters. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, exactly. Like, it's been years and years. So, I don't know. I think, obviously, I, in a way, I've matured quite yeah. early on. Um, and things. like going back to the painful sex aspect how do you manage that like obviously you still want to have some intimacy with your partner does that still involve like sex or is it you've sort of labeled sex as something else or how do you guys go about that if you want to um, answer that so after my most recent surgery um the symptoms of painful sex like eased heaps that's good um which has obviously been amazing but like because my body is so used to being in pain like my pelvic floor muscles are like super duper tight Mm. so they're like constantly like clenched um so for um painful sex at the moment I'm seeing like a like I don't always get it but it's still an issue to an extent yeah. So um, I am seeing a pelvic physio, mm-hmm. which has been amazing. Like she um, has been like teaching me how to like massage the muscles inside my vag. Like yeah. one side, the muscles are really tight. It's really crazy. It's like, I don't, I don't know, you never think of your vagina as a muscle. Like, no, I read about like, that recently. Yeah. It can actually have like knots similar to when yes. you have a knot in your back. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I never knew this. Anyway, and she was like, yeah, the left side's, like, super tight and it's, that's where I had heaps of endo removed, like, all on my mm. left side. So it makes sense. So, yeah, she's been teaching me, like, on how to release them and she's given me heaps and heaps of tools, like a meditation thing, which really helps, um, and heaps of pelvic floor stretches. Mm-hmm. So they're major factors. Um, cannabis, medicinal yeah. cannabis is um also a must for me is that Um, something that you smoke or you use a suppository so at the moment i've just got um oils and the flower Mm -hmm. so it kind of depends on what's going on like what i'm feeling um obviously smoking it is more of an immediate effect whereas the oils are a slower um Mm -hmm. What am I saying? Slower releasing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. slower releasing. Yeah, so that um, CBD lube. So I've got lube and I just put a couple of drops of CBD in it. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, oh, where do you buy that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can, I mean, I don't know about France, but it's actually a thing. Yeah. Like I would love to buy it properly, but we don't have access to that in Australia. So I literally just get my prescription and I'm assuming it's the same thing yeah um so yeah so probably yeah stretching physio 
cannabis um, and as well, like, obviously communicating with whoever you are being intimate with yeah, um, about what's going on. Yeah, so now um, you I've, obviously feel comfortable to, like, say that hurts. Can we, like, take a breather? Yeah, yeah, and especially because, like, um, you know, a physio even wanted um, Tals to come to an appointment, mm-hmm. you know, and get it. So she, like, hearing it from a professional can be better for them yeah. in a way for, for your partner or lover or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't probably don't want to take your one night stand <laughs> or your you know, your casual fuck to your physio <laughs> appointment, but I mean, you know, like just educating them. Yeah. Talking to them, co- clear communication, you know. That's um essential. Definitely. And I saw on your um, Instagram that you got some products. So there's, like, certain things that you can use if penetrative sex is still quite painful. Yeah, so I recently – I haven't actually tried it yet, but I recently got gifted um, an O-Nut device, which is, like, these rubbery um, little, like – I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a donut. Yeah, kind of. And you, like – you can separate them. You can use one or two and they, like, stack on each other. Mm-hmm. And you can control um, the level of penetration yeah. with it. So I've heard really good things about it. But, yeah, it's meant to be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so- lube, that's what I was going to say, another thing. My physio has said, painful sex, you need lots and lots of lube. Like, you literally can't get enough. Like water-based? Water-based, she's recommended for mm-hmm. me. Um, so, yeah. I think that's some really good advice and also, like... Also a support group. Yeah. Where like, would you recommend people can um, go? So, I don't know. It, I guess it depends on where you live, but, like, I'm a part of, like, Endo Australia, Endometriosis Australia support group. I think mm-hmm. it's like called that. Or Endo... Queensland support group. Sometimes people post about sex and they're obviously not everyone's willing to open up on Facebook about that, but there sometimes is posts on that. Um, or, you know, finding people that you can talk to in the endo community, like f- good friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think of other groups. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably say Facebook, like just searching endo support groups. Yeah. Heaps of heaps of really good support groups on Facebook. I think it's like even an endo and cannabis one that's really good. But yeah, Facebook. <laughs> that's great. Um, I've got a listener question that I think you're the perfect person to answer. Um yes. so I'm just gonna dive into it now. Says, I was diagnosed with endo six months ago. Since then, I've been researching lots about different ways to deal with the pain and how to manage it. I'm still trying to find what works best for me, but my partner really struggles seeing me in pain and says he feels helpless. Any advice on how a partner can help? Mm, That's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, So for me, I... I personally like to be by myself if I'm having a flare. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tals knows that. And I think I kind of go over 
what I need from him when I'm feeling bad. So it's kind of like a routine, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like he knows so he like will go or he won't like constantly bother me or whatnot because I I don't know, for me, for some reason, I just like to be by myself. Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, for this person they could – they could obviously. I know that they've only just recently been diagnosed, and they're probably still only figuring out what you know works for them when they are flaring. So, when they do establish a good management plan, um, you know, communicating what they want um, from their partner um, when they are flaring. You know, when I'm feeling like this, you know, I need you know for you to best support me. I would really want you to sit with me, or or you know, like. If mm-hmm. you could get my heat pack or if you like come up with, I guess, like a plan of like how we're going to deal with this when you have a flare, if that makes sense. Yeah, together. Together, like, you know, how you can best support me by doing this when I'm feeling like this. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I feel like, you know, you've communicated your expectations and you can talk it through kind of thing. Obviously, each situation is different. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes your pain might be worse and you actually might want them there. But do you do you know what I mean? Like it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a, a basic plan or something. Yeah. Or, you know, um, it's That's tricky. It. Like obviously it, it, it depends on the person. It depends on how bad it is. It, but for me, you know, we kind of know, like I know – that I need to be by myself and he mm. knows that. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope that's helpful. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, no, I think it definitely is and I think it's a great way to outline what you need if you're in a lot of pain that you just, like, don't even want to communicate it. Yeah, exactly. And I think having just, like, a, a plan can, you know, help everyone in a way. Yeah, I've heard that Um, in terms of mental health help, like you have a list of like your basically mental health management plan and you write down what makes, say if you have anxiety, you write down what makes you, like helps you bring you out of a panic attack and you have your doctor's numbers on the side, maybe like a support person. So it's like similar to that. Yeah, or even using, like, the pain scale, like, you know, if my pain's between 1 and 5, this is what I need, or if my pain's between 5 and 10, this is what I need, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, because, you know, then your partner isn't feeling helpless because they're saying, okay, so her pain's at a f- uh, 4 today, like, I can do this, this, or, you know, this is what she wants, or you get, like, I guess a routine going. That sounds yeah. horrible. But... <laughs> A routine for it, but you know these. You know it's realistic. It's, yeah, it's it is what it is. Like it's kind of going this life. Um, <laughs> I yeah, had I hope I, that's somewhat helpful. I think it will be. Um, if you have a little bit more time, I did have another question. Yeah. So it was around dating and getting into dating after being diagnosed with endo. So like. Mm. This person that wrote in is single, they're only 23 and they want to know how to go about dating and how to bring it up, I guess. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, yeah, again, that, you know, it's hard, I guess, 
once you've, for me, once I came to acceptance, it was easier. Mm-hmm. So, um, and as well, I guess it's about whether you want every person that you date to know or whether, you know, once it gets to a certain, I guess, serious level, you tell mm-hmm. them. Um, as well, I guess it, impact, it depends on how much endo impacts their life, you know, because some people can have endo and be okay every day and mm-hmm. other people are bed bound. So, um, yeah, I guess what I would say is the best thing you could probably do if you're going to tell someone is just educate them mm-hmm. and express, like educate them on what endo is and express what you experience Yeah, and express what needs you need to mm-hmm. be met or understanding you need from them. Um, to be fair, I don't have so much experience with this, but, um, you know, clear communication is everything. Yeah, um, definitely. And I think, like, I know that from your post on your Instagram, like, something that is reoccurring in people with chronic illness is being able to cancel plans and, like, mm. not having the shame around that and having people understand why you're cancelling them. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, I think, you know, if you educate them around the illness, they will have a better understanding of, you know, why you can't make it today or why you're late or, you know, why you cancel last minute um, mm-hmm. because they they understand how endo can impact your life, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think educating them and just expressing yeah what you experience what you you know if obviously if you feel comfortable what your symptoms are how it impacts your life you know and if if they're worth dating they'll understand yeah and you know hopefully they'll treat you with care and empathy hopefully it's a good way to weed out the Shit shitty ones. guys yeah <laughs> that's what I thought what I thought (laughs) but yeah it depends as well because again everyone's different like everyone experiences endo differently as well you know my experience with endo could be completely different to someone else yeah so but I would start with that (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the podcast um where can people find you or chat with you (laughs) um so i'm mainly just on instagram yeah um at the endo journal is my handle and yeah it's been awesome thanks so much for having me on here katie i'm so proud of you (laughs) thank you thanks for listening you can find all of george's info in the episode description i'll be back next week with another amazing guest bye